Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And you know what? I might start calling it delusion because I've just been playing with that word so much. So many people do say the delusion of separation and maybe I'll explain that to you one day soon here. But today we continue our series called Codes for a Healthy Earth cultivating peace with all of life. And we are talking with global leaders, discussing personal, cultural, and planetary health, and how that health can essentially create peace for all life on Earth. And the scientifically based whole worldview naturally reconciles with universal spiritual experiences to co-create a breakthrough in the understanding of the nature of reality, the evolutionary moment we are living in, what it means to be human, and our influence on the evolution of life on our planet. This is the whole worldview, and it's based on the book, The Cosmic Hologram. It provides a foundation and practical perspectives toward problem solving upon which we can shift our individual and collective values and behaviors to align and become more in harmony with the natural world and cosmic principles. And so, as we continue this series on the codes for a healthy Earth, now citizens of Earth are uniting around a whole system healing framework that effectively supports citizen-led self-organization at the local and global levels to realize our shared needs and aspirations for a healthy earth. How do these two things work together? Well, today we are going to talk with the founder of the whole worldview. I invite you to take a few conscious breaths, open your mind and heart, and settle into your essential wholeness. As I introduce our guest, Dr. Jude Curavan is a cosmologist, planetary healer, futurist, and author. She is previously, she was previously one of the most senior businesswomen in the UK as CFO and executive board member of two major international companies. She has a master's degree in physics from Oxford University, specializing in quantum physics and cosmology, and a doctorate in archaeology from the University of of reading, researching ancient cosmologies. She has traveled to nearly 80 countries, worked with wisdom keepers from many traditions, and been a lifelong researcher into the scientific and experiential understanding of the nature of reality. The author of six books, the latest being The Cosmic Hologram, I'm having trouble speaking today. Forgive me. I'm going to say that again. The Cosmic Hologram in Formation at the Center of Creation. And she is a winner, or the book is, of the 2017 Silver Nautilus Book Award in the category of Science and Cosmology. Jude is a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and lives in Wiltshire, England. And I am so happy to welcome you back to the show, Jude. Welcome. 
Julie, thank you so much. My goodness, when you speak of my CV, it exhausts me. I don't know about anybody else. <laughs> well, thank you for your humor. You know what? Just to be quite frank with you and all of our listeners, I normally cut the intros, the bios back to a few sentences. I normally do that with guests because I... I, I would prefer to get right into the conversation and say a little bit, but your wisdom is so important to this conversation. Your experience, everything that you uh, you bring to this conversation is priceless, Jude, and I can't wait to dig in more into this conversation with you. Bless you, Julie. Thank you. And and when I say it's exhausting, it's it's just funny because you know, like all of us, I think we all of us walk a scenic route. You know, Kierke, uh, Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard, the great Danish philosopher, once said, "We um, live our experiences forward, and we understand them backwards." And if I'd have sort of looked forwards at the age of four years old when I remember my journey starting, my goodness, I couldn't have envisaged the, the the sort of journey that's been. And I'd love our listeners to consider that in their own journey. We often sort of look ahead and think, oh my goodness, we've so far to go. And yet I invite everybody to appreciate and honor just how far we've all come to this point. Mm, that's a brilliant way to begin this conversation, Jude. Thank you. It's almost a blessing on our path as we start unpacking what is the whole worldview and what are these codes for healthy earth. So I'm like very, very appreciative of you bringing that in because it is so true. If we can just be fully present here as we're leaning forward, it all begins to make sense with, with patience, per, perseverance. There, you know, we're, here we are. Here we are on this trail <laughs> together. And so, Jude, I, I love you've answered this question before because you've been on my show, but I love to really ground our conversation in the whole worldview. And I say this to my guests all the time, and here you are a master of it. So I'd love to hear you share with our listeners, what does all things connected mean to you, the cosmologist? Well, you know, sometimes we, we sort of see cosmologists such as Stephen Hawking and others, and Stephen's brilliant. Um, and they research the appearance of our universe. What I've been incredibly fortunate since I was very, very young, my earliest memories, is of a universe that was one realm within a multidimensional and ultimately unified reality of the entire cosmos. So for me, as a cosmologist, it was much more a curiosity about how these other realms of consciousness and cosmic mind co-created the appearance of what we call our universe. So instead of just its appearance of space and time and energy and matter, my curiosity has been the deeper um, underlying causation of how our universe's appearance arises from cosmic mind and why you know what is the purpose of a universe what is the meaning of a universe and mainstream science has tended to tell us that it's all meaningless and everything's separate and this realm's the only realm and what i'm 
so excited about is that after 60 years of my own journey, that leading edge science is now coming to stand alongside universal spiritual perceptions of the nature of reality to show that instead of a universe of just materialism and separation, that reality is much more profound, ultimately unified, profoundly interconnected and meaningful. So, you know, that's my journey, but that's what we're on the threshold of. And it seems to me that it's rather like those superhero films when we were young, you know, at the 11th hour and the 59th minute, um, we wake up and we remember who we really are. Mm. I'm like smiling. I like, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted to write down what you said. It was just so, I'm like, I'm going, I'm, totally going to go listen to this again. But I really love this idea of the cosmic mind creating this appearance of this universe. Mm. And because the appearance is created with this sense of duality and separation, right? And so then even when you elongated that out into that question like why would the cosmic mind do this <laughs> and that in particular is a really fascinating question to explore a lot of times we come into this realm and we see ourselves as separate and then we begin to ask what is the meaning of life and we, we have that question so grounded in our own individual lives and our own individual expression of the universe coming through us. And when we think about why would the cosmic mind create this? That is such an expansive, huge question. It is. And, and yet I sense it's fundamental because indeed, why would the non-duality, as all spiritual traditions have told us, of all oneness, um, why would this appearance of separation come forward in a universe and its appearance? And, and for me, what it's about, somebody once said, God got bored. <laughs> which I love because when you have a sense of that, it's like if without differentiation, there is no experience, you know, the, the, the Tao, the ancient Chinese wisdom teachings say in the beginning was the one, the one became two, the two became three. And from the three, 10,000 things were born. In other words, what we see as separation is not separation. It's differentiation. It's the oneness expressing itself in its reflection, the yin and the yang. And through that differentiation of energy and matter and space and time, cosmic mind, as, as the ancient both Chinese and Indian Vedic traditions talk about, creates a universe of experience. And without that unity and diversity, there can be no experience. Everything is gray gloop <laughs> or, 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 or ultimate, you know, oneness, which is absolutely wonderful to really immerse into that great ocean of oneness. But it's rather like the great oneness of itself cannot experience itself. And yet it it, it co-creates these great thoughts, these expressions, these 
wonderful universes, these universe souls that at their heart exist to evolve and learn and experience and explore. Beautiful. I thank you for that as I'm listening to you speaking of unity and and diversity and unity in diversity. I'm looking outside and there's this, um, I'm on a town square and there's windows in front of me and the, the square is filled with green. It's green grass, mm-hmm. green trees, it's gorgeous. And on the lamppost is a hanging pot of these bright red tropical like <laughs> flowers. I, I need to find the name of it so that my local florist would be proud of me to say that on air, but it's gorgeous. It's popping. It's like exactly what you're speaking to is what would it be like if, if we were all in that vast ocean of oneness and there was no ability for us to even experience ourselves in that diversity. I, I'm thinking about this green and then that pop of red and how exciting that is. I agree. And, and, you know, even within the green, there are so many shades of green. I mean, yeah. we talk about, you know, snowflakes. Think of the millions and trillions of snowflakes there's ever been. And yet no one is the same. We look at the leaves of a tree and they, they embody the same patterns as do indeed snowflakes. But within that simplicity there is phenomenal diversity. And this is what I love. I, al- I, I often say, oh, I wish I'd invented the universe because it's so cool. It is yeah. so cool. From its inherent simplicity, this incredible diversity and complexity has emerged and evolved where nothing, no leaf, no snowflake, no person is the same. And yet we're all part of the overall oneness. So we're all incredible incredible expressions of universal and cosmic oneness. And yet, as we're saying, differentiated to experience and explore and learn and evolve. It's, it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Jude Curvan, only you can talk about complexity and simplicity in the same sentence and make it make sense. Like <laughs> that was beautiful. Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is an important place of, of you've, you've laid this framework for us um, really of this unity and diversity. And I love that simplicity and complexity of, of what we're looking at today, talking about, and you have done an incredible job of pulling that science forward to really match that ancient wisdom, that spiritual tradition, spiritual states of consciousness that, that people have talked about. And you've, you've begun to show, I'm like holding my hands up. Like they're, they're the same thing, like this balancing act of, wow, we're talking Mm -hmm. about the same thing now. How does this affect, let's talk about whole worldview because Mm -hmm. The cosmic hologram has invited us into now looking at this creation through mm-hmm. the lens of a whole worldview. What is a worldview and what is the whole worldview? Well, a worldview is how we see ourselves in the world. It's our beliefs about the world, and they may be true. They may be, you know, consensual facts, um, or they may be just our own opinions, but our beliefs drive our behaviors. And that's why it's so important, because if our 
worldviews, if our beliefs about the world are about materialism and separation and fragmentation, then we behave accordingly. And spiritual traditions, universal spiritual traditions, have always said, actually, the appearance of separation of the world, the appearance of the materiality of the world as its sole reality is not its true foundational reality. And yet over the last few hundred years, science has progressively told us that um, you know, uh, our universe and and its materialistic reality is the only reality. Uh, it's a world of separation. That consciousness somehow arises from evolutionary processes that of themselves accidental and meaningless. So somehow we arrived here, and somehow we can have this conversation, and somehow consciousness arises from you know our brain, our material brain, and what we're finding now is that entire materialistic um, separatist science is about to be turned on its head. And, you know, a hundred years ago, we got clues. We got clues through relativity theory and quantum theory, but it's literally only in the last few years that we're developing both the framework and more importantly still the evidence at all scales of existence and across many, many different fields of research that what ancient and universal spiritual traditions have told us about the unified nature of reality and that mind and consciousness aren't something we have, but literally what we and the whole world are is coming forward. So there's a convergence of leading edge science and universal spirituality that is coming together as, as a cosmology of consciousness, as a, a ultimately a cosmology of love. And this science of love is, I feel, hugely important because instead of coming from a perspective of separation and trying somehow to work together, to come together, it offers us the opportunity, I feel, to turn round and come from a foundation of oneness, of unity, as we're saying, in diversity. So instead of fearing diversity, celebrating it, but realizing that it's founded and emerging from wholeness, from oneness. And that, for me, changes everything because it's not just about understanding that. But as you were saying, Julie, it's then what do we do with it? What if, what then, what if our entire worldview is about to be healed, turned on its head and healed, then what do we do about it in terms of experiencing that oneness and embodying that oneness in diversity and all that we do personally and in the world? Mm. So we are going to dig into what more we can do, but I just want to just pause for a moment. There's so much right there that you brought forward, which is beautiful. And just really um, hold the idea that this worldview is how we see the world, which is beliefs, which could be true and might not be true or truth and so creating this whole worldview what you're saying and and what we're 
we're learning with the science and universal universal spiritual wisdoms is that literally this wholeness, this level of unity and diversity, this level of understanding ourselves in the universe, and we're not quite there yet of really, I'm going to bring in one more thing you said, which is we don't have consciousness, we are consciousness. So that piece, you know, it's it's easy to look at the science and go, wow, everything is all connected. And, oh, the spiritual traditions talk about it too. And yet you bring that last phrase in, Jude, and it changes everything of our understanding of ourselves as consciousness and as that conscious mind or cosmic mind that we talked about that's creating this awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not saying, but you know, the, the point on a hologram is the hologram expresses itself as the many within the whole. So we are microcosmic <laughs> co-creators. There you go. Of the of the evolving intelligence of our universe, which is itself and everything in it, including us, a great thought form, a great thought rather than a great thing, a great thought in the infinite and eternal mind of the cosmos. So our universe and everything in it and us has meaning, an evolutionary purpose. Mm, evolutionary purpose. Thank you. This is beautiful. And thank you for clarifying that microcosmic mind that we are. And um, the idea about the great thought Mm. is it really like that you're saying several phrases that I know as I've worked with people when they grasp that they go oh this I mean these are epiphany moments right those great ahas mm -hmm. that yeah. really shift how we see the world and so as we continue to bring this worldview the whole worldview forward and that cosmic hologram and the understanding of information at the center of the universe and the great thought and the big breath that you talk about you haven't <laughs> answered that you haven't said that yet i'll give you a moment <laughs> right before break to talk about the big breath but as we start using this language thank you for bringing it forward it does create moments where people can sit back and reflect and go oh and there's an innate knowing yes. like if they're if they're listening to your words something inside is niggling because we have this innate knowing of the truth of this so right and it is really those aha moments where that knowing becomes realized and i thank you for the big breath i i i say i say that you know we we mainstream science talks about our universe uh, beginning as a big bang and i say it was neither big nor a bang it was minute and that's everybody gets but you know when we think of a bang we think of chaos we think of an explosion and yet our universe began and continues to exist and evolve in an incredibly fine-tuned, amazing way, which literally embodies its evolutionary impulse. So rather than a, a, a chaotic bang, for me, the big breath shows that amazing fine-tuning and order. And of course, it also refers back to the ancient 
uh, Indian Vedic tradition, which talks about our universe being an outbreath of Brahma, an outbreath of creation. And the Indian traditions always come back to the breath always come back to the breath on personal levels. But when we tie, you know, when we connect our personal breathing to the breathing of our universe. So I talk about, you know, time is our universe thinking. Space is our universe breathing. There's that profound connection between our existence and experience and meaning and that of our entire universe. Mm. And when you were talking this beautiful, I'm just pausing into that. As you were talking, um, I also saw this worldview, this understanding, this new way of looking at it as even creation not being the thing. We, we often will say creation, creating itself, the impulse of creation. And we think, we think a planet with all this beautiful creation on it, all this life, all these inhabitants, um, animals and people and trees and plants. And really, I'm, as I listen to you now, it's like creation is the thought and the breath creating. Yes. yes. And, you know, going back 13.8 billion years to that first moment of the great thought, the great breath that is our universe. And, you know, everything that we are in terms of energy and matter has has been from that first moment. The hydrogen in the water within the oceans of our beloved Mother Earth and our own our own bodies, that hydrogen has existed for 13.8 billion years. Mm. And everything else within us has been nurtured through the lives and deaths of stars, through the interstellar dust clouds from which our, our Mother Earth was born. You know, we're not just star seeds. We're children of the entire universe and its evolutionary impulse. And we have meaning and purpose. And it seems to me, especially at this pivotal moment, because are we going to remember this? Are we going to remember that we are children of an evolving living planet, an evolving living universe? Or are we going to continue on that, um, you know, perception of separation that's brought us some way along our journey, but no longer serves us. It helped us to express our diversity, but now it has brought us to the edge of calamity and catastrophe. So we thank it for where it's brought us to, but it seems to me that we now are on the threshold and the urgent need to remember the wholeness of who we really are. Mm. Beautiful place to pause. We need to take a break. And after the break, we're going to talk about how to remember the wholeness and what perhaps specifically you could do to step in your own wholeness and be a part of the great love story on this planet of remembering. And so we are going to take a quick break. We are here with this yummy voice of Jude Curavan and wow it's just one just one yummy piece after another I promise there will be more we will be right back 
your meditation channel. Non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Getting your child home safely. Tap your heels together three times. It's just a click away. There is no place like home. But making sure your child is in the right seat is just one of the steps down the road to safer travels. I don't know how it works. Find the right seat for your little one's age and size. There's no better way to get home safely. Know for sure that your child is in the right seat. How can I ever thank you enough? Get all the facts at safercar.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Empower Radio. Empowering you 24-7. Online at empowerradio.com. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and perhaps listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also stay connected all week on my Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation and watch for more information on the codes for a healthy earth in the coming weeks. The codes not only inspire and cultivate peace with all life, they have a unique potential to contribute significantly to our collective pathway forward. You can do that by going to codes.earth. Very simple, codes.earth. 
earth. Sign up there, endorse them, get involved. There's going to be more and more and more resources there available to you. And I am here today. It's a beautiful Jude caravan. You can find Jude's work in two different places. Look for Jude at judecuravan.com. That's C-U-R-R-I-V-A-N, judecuravan.com. And also wholeworld-view.org. That's wholeworld-view.org. Jude, welcome back to the second half. And thank you. I'm like swimming in this like beautiful, light-filled just essence of that first half. There were so many beautiful things you brought through. Thank you, Julie. I, I love it. I love that we're all swimming together. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. And I can swim with you any day. You just, <laughs> I just really, really, really appreciate this. Okay. So the codes for a healthy earth have emerged in um, this collective consciousness right now, bringing forward, there are two co-initiators, but dozens and dozens of, of global leaders on Every continent in over 100 countries contributed to literally making each word significant and meaningful. So the, these codes are coming forward. We've talked about it on other shows. Um, I will just point our listeners back to those shows if you want to learn more. There's several on the website. But these codes are a real beautiful and concise aggregate of many declarations, charters, manifestos, creeds that that already re- exist on the planet with some really beautiful principles, clear, concise, easy to follow, easy to get on board. But from your perspective, Jude, and from the place of a cosmologist who really is helping us understand the whole worldview, what makes Codes for a Healthy Earth different and why is it important now? I feel they are vital now because what we're understanding as leading edge science is coming to converge with universal spiritual understanding is literally a whole world that we are microcosmic co-creators in a universe that exists and evolves as a unified entity, a great thought form within the infinite mind of the cosmos. That's the big picture. That's the biggest picture. And to understand that oneness of which expresses itself in diversity, but then what then? And what Codes for a Healthy Earth do is take us from the understanding of the of unity in diversity into experiencing and embodying it. They show us, they they articulate the principles of how we, we not just remember the wholeness of who we really are, but then how are to we how is our being and our being in doing emerges from that understanding. So what they help us to do is, in my experience and in my my appreciation, is they help us to ground the me and link and lift up with the we 
and with the all. So there's this this lovely sort of holographic expansion, this out breath and this in breath from the me to the we and the all. And each of them is valued and appreciated. And they also help us to appreciate how we can act local, feel global and think cosmic so they're a beautiful way of, of of guiding and showing and supporting us as we literally do remember the wholeness of all that we really are. Mm. When when you talk about um, the local, the global and the cosmic and, and I'm just like um, I'm sensing this flow that comes when we're listening to these codes that quite literally um, in our experience of diversity, we can look at the world around us and our and, and really um, the codes help us to cultivate our relationship with the foundations of life. Like when I'm thinking about um, the that flow from from the individual to the collective to the cosmic and back, um, we we still are in these bodies, right? In this life, and so this it, it seems like the codes invite us into a, a real intimate understanding of our capacity to live for the good of the whole, to live for the the, the whole of the cosmos while we're living for the good of my own individual diversity at the same time. This feels vital. I remember I'm a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle, which includes people like Jean Houston and Lynn McTaggart and Deepak Chopra and Irvin Laszlo, and did also include our beloved Barbara Marks Hubbard. And I remember us being together a few years ago, and there was this huge debate about when we expand our consciousness, are we moving from the me to the we, or are we expanding our meanness to weeness? And there was a very deep appreciation that we don't lose the me when we move to the we and the all. We just expand our awareness. Einstein called it the circle of compassion. And so for us, we came to that understanding that we're actually expanding our circle of compassion, that we don't lose the me in the we. We actually become to experience ourselves as ever more authentically who we are. But then we we move to a a sense of serving the greater good and appreciating the, 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 the the oneness of which we're all a part of. So it's a beautiful deepening and expanding and outbreath <laughs> of, <laughs> of who we are. So it appreciates the meaner, the self and the me within and as integral, crucial, vital notes within the we and ultimately within the all. Mm. And as we look at the, from the me to the all, let's stop at the we for a second, because another piece of the codes for healthy earth that I really appreciate is it's this whole system framework that works across natural, natural, national, cultural and ideological boundaries. It's like this radical system of transformation that literally no matter what perspective we might come from in the me when we stop at the we those boundaries 
can be really honored and held and perhaps dissolved to work toward the all there. So um, can you speak toward the national cultural and ideological boundaries a bit a minute? Yeah, I'd be, be happy to. I mean, I, if we come from a, a sort of a, um, a fragmented perspective of separation, then, you know, what the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations, which were signed up for by 193 nations, were trying to find a way of coming together Um and that's a challenge because if our if our, our worldview, as we we're starting to talk right at the beginning, is of a fragmented world, a world of separation, then we can do our very best with goodwill to come together. But if, as we now understand science and spirituality coming together to say, actually, that view of the world is, is not right. That perspective of separation is an illusion. That's the appearance of reality. It's not its true nature. Its true nature is profound oneness, but a oneness that would get bored unless it differentiated itself. So what it does is it differentiates itself in radical diversity. But when we come, you know, when we turn around and come from that sense of oneness, we can, instead of fearing difference. We can celebrate it. We can realize that the cosmic composer and the cosmic conductor relies on many, many different instruments and many, many different notes to co-create the cosmic symphony we call reality. So every person, every perspective, every you know, every uh, sense is is needed. Every note, I don't know if you've ever heard um, a classical symphony, but you know if if you if you know about music, and I have to say I'm not a great musician, but <laughs> even even I recognise if there's a note missing, it's like there's a hole where a note should be, and so what we're realising is that every note, every sense of self is is vital to the overall cosmic symphony of a universe that exists and evolves in this way. So, you know, diversity is very, very important when we when we appreciate diversity and all those different voices. Coming from unity, we can respect those and honor difference. And actually we don't all have to agree to agree. This is not about, unity is not uniformity. Unity is about diverse perspectives. But how do we come together from that perspective to effect what I call, not compromise, which is a sort of a, you know, jaw-gripped sort of lose-lose, but a compromise where as we link up and lift up, we can be greater than the sum of the parts. And that, I feel, is our opportunity as we as we actually now come from a whole worldview, which the codes for a healthy Earth show us how to embody in practice, mm. then I feel that that can be transformational. Yes, one of the other pieces that I love about the codes for a healthy Earth is the encouragement of self-organizing, and I I, I want to bring in a radical statement here. I would I would love to hear your take on this statement and it it really is grounded in ancient spiritual wisdom 
And yet, to a lot of the Western ears, I think it's kind of jarring at first. And so I, I say this respectfully and, and like to bring it in consciously because sometimes it does um, really like stop the conversation and people have to go think about this sentence. <laughs> so let me just tell you, I'll just say this out loud. I'd love to get your opinion on this. In the codes, there's a statement that says, we affirm that the only legitimate purpose of governance is to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet and all its inhabitants for generations to come. Again, going to that complexity and simplicity that you brought in in the first half, this is a very um, simple statement and the truth in it is so profound. And yet where we are in governance right now is so far from this. So, the only legitimate purpose of governance is to protect and cultivate the health and vitality of the planet and all its inhabitants for generations to come. Can you speak to this? I'll be I'll be happy to. I mean, first of all, I, it, it resonates with me at such a profound level. And I've worked alongside and learned from wisdom keepers of many, many traditions. And the Native American tradition talks about making choices um, for seven generations to come. So when we make a, a choice, a decision, we're looking for the greater good of seven generations forward. Yeah, not just for now, but how far we could possibly see for our children's 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 children going forward. And those choices are not just about human well-being, but about planetary well-being, about the well-being of our Mother Earth, Gaia and all her children. So the, the codes of humanity, that wording very much speaks to the indigenous traditional wisdom of, of that. I think the other thing is it talks about governance and what is governance? Because it seems to me that certainly in the West and probably going back many hundreds of years now, we've seen sort of authorities, we've seen hierarchical governance. But what we're seeing in nature um, is that there is no hierarchy per se. An ecosystem may have, you know, a perspective of, 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 of a chain of, of energy where there are predators and prey, but actually it's a community of cooperation and far more than it is, you know, nature in, you know, red in claw. So we're realizing that as simplicity evolves to complexity and ecosystems are complex, that there is a mutuality, there is a cooperation, there is um, a way of co-creating something that is greater than the sum of its parts. So when we do this, when we talk about governance, it's not so much that is hierarchical. It is more about communal and and every aspect of an ecosystem and every aspect of a collective has its own functionality. If we if we go back to our bodies, you know, we are a community of, a, of getting on for 100 trillion cells. And our liver cell is a, a, an impeccable exemplar of being a liver cell. And our brain is a magnificent exemplar of being a central sort of coming together system. 
But every aspect of our body has its functionality that comes together to create a wholeness. And it seems to me that what the Codes for Healthy Earth are saying is how can we come together with good intention, with compassion, coming from a whole world view to experience and embody this cosmic, universal foundation of unity in diversity. And therefore, in a sense, we are all part of a self-governing, self-organizing ecosystem of consciousness. Mm. There you have it. Yes. Okay. Self-governing, self-organizing, self-correcting, self-regulating. The codes for Healthy Earth clearly invite, with support, the self-organizing. They, the co-initiators, Shelley Ostroff and Jan Golding, have clearly brought this forward with so much love and said, how can we encourage others to self-organize and to pick this up and to be a part of um, more of a unified synergistic movement toward the whole system healing of our planet and all her inhabitants. So what could you say to our listeners, Jude, about that self-organizing component? What would you encourage them? How might you be using the codes, but how might you encourage our listeners to pick up those codes and move forward in that self-organizing capacity? Well, I always, I always remember a, a quote that's been quoted a couple of times, actually, but latterly by the uh, climate activist Greta Thunberg, who talks about nobody is too small to, or nothing and nobody is too small to make a difference. So for both Shelley and Jan and all of us at our whole worldview and unity community and many, many others around the, the, the world that are linking up and lifting up from this perspective of self-organization, non-hierarchical, um, everyone's a leader and it's about self and spirited leadership. So we all come together beyond ego just to be servant leaders to what's emerging through us, this, this flow of universal evolutionary impulse through all of us um, and our planetary home is to invite folks to feel into what A feels right for you, but what makes your heart sing? <laughs> what, what, you know, what is it that's calling you to do? And it, it is about acting local, feeling global, thinking cosmic, but ultimately it's those head, heart and hands at that local level. There are so many initiatives that begin at a very, very local level that just then flower into global and cosmic levels of engagement and, and, and looking and lifting up, but it's what calls each and every one of us. It may be to bake the most beautiful cakes to nurture our family and friends. It may be going out and picking up litter, which is what I do. I go out and I pick up litter because I, I revere our beloved planetary home, our mother earth so much. And I'm delighted to just go and get my hands dirty and fill a bag of litter. And often that 
I notice now other people are seeing that and picking up litter or not dropping it in the first place. But it's an invitation. It's not an imposition. And it's not a judgment. It's just an invitation to, you know, join us all in this great adventure that awaits us and that's our next step together in what it means to be human and what it means to be microcosmic co-creators of the universal evolutionary intelligence of our beloved universe soul and our beloved Mother Earth. Mm. And as we really widen and expand our understanding of that, it's like, of course, my health is the planetary health. The planetary health is your health. We can't not look at everything all connected once we go here. Exactly. Exactly. And then it goes beyond the me to include the me and to include the all. And it's and it's delightful. It's joyous. It's not serious or heavy. It's, you know, in my experience, <laughs> I, I, I take what we all do seriously, but my goodness, I don't take myself seriously. And the universe and the cosmos has a great sense of humor. Mm. Oh, this has been delightful, Jude. And I want to ask a lot more of those serious questions, but I do like the fun sense of humor part of you coming through at this now. So it's, it doesn't seem right to ask one more serious, heavy question. So let me ask in just two minutes or less, what one last thing would you like to leave with our listeners today? That everything in existence matters that everything and everybody has meaning and purpose and that we are all far greater than we often think we are and that to just breathe into that joy, that love and that gratitude and live it in each moment and realise that what I'm saying, it's not about being easy. Life is full of ups and downs. It's a great adventure but we literally are all in it together. So let's support each other. Let's love each other and realize how much we are loved by the universe, by the cosmos. If we just open ourselves to receive that love and live that love and evolve that love. Mm, there's that word love and evolve again. Jude Curavan, you are always a delight to have a conversation with, and I'm really happy and honored that I could bring your voice into this conversation for our listeners today. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Julie, and thanks to everyone who's listening with us. Bless you all, and, and I truly love you all, and we are all children. We are all children together in this great adventure. Mm. Great reminder. And I'm just going to read one more statement from the codes before I close because we were talking about it and I just want to really bring this home. We recognize that our personal, collective and planetary health are all interconnected and interdependent. For humanity to thrive, the entire planetary ecosystem must thrive. Codes for a Healthy Earth is launching International Day of Peace, a soft launch. The codes are founded on the premise that as long as there is any oppression anywhere within the community of life, true peace cannot exist. To achieve genuine and lasting world peace, it is essential 
that we cultivate peace with all of life. You've been listening to the Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Remember, together, we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.